Good evening. We are so glad that you have chosen to be with us tonight for our midweek Bible study. Uh, once again this week, the three of us were able to be with you. We really appreciate our brother David Bland did a great job last mm -hmm. week. Uh, we appreciate him filling in for us last week, but we're really glad that we could be back with you again tonight. Uh, now for us, we continue our study in 1 John. And so tonight we're going to be looking in 1 John chapter 3. So if you want to go ahead and be turning in your Bibles there, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. It says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Um, there is a word that's pretty prevalent in our society right now, and that word is privilege. And I think as a Christian, we should consider ourselves very privileged mm -hmm. to know that we are children of God's. Not just that we are called children of God's, but that we are actually children of His. Uh, my papa used to tell me whenever I would be going out on the weekend or something, he would say, act right because people know your family. You know, and, and that encouragement was always kind of in the back of my mind that I needed to do what was right because people would know me. People would know who I, who I came from. And I think that knowing we are children of God's, that should motivate us to kind of keep our feet on the, on the right path from day to day. Now, all of mankind, going back to, to Adam and Eve, are in a sense children of God's because He created them. But it's, it's only through God's grace and it's only through our surrendering, I think, to, to His will that we can become and we can know that we are truly children of His. Uh, two words kind of come to mind with this. One is paternity and one is fatherhood. Um, the word paternity describes a relationship a man has when he is physically responsible for the existence of a child. The word fatherhood describes a deep, personal, loving relationship. In that deep, personal, loving relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father only exists when we surrender to His will. Now, in the New Testament, we see that we are able to become children of God's through the process of adoption. Uh, in Romans chapter 8, it says, beginning in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not, have, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him, in order that we may also be glorified with Him. So men, any thoughts on what a, a privilege it is to, to be a child of God's? You know, as we were preparing for this study, I thought about this particular passage quite a bit. Um, and just as we read it, it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. And it made me, I, I thought about that. And, and as he goes on to say that we should be called children of God. And you guys think that it could have been possible that God could have provided us salvation without adopting us, without considering us children of God in that sense. You think it would have been possible? That if God just wanted to, He could have done things that way. I think so too, because if you if you think about in in just in our lives, the amount of people that we've helped uh, through the church or whatever, or you know you at home, I'm sure you have 
had opportunities where you've helped people. Um, it's not a requirement for that person to be in your family. Mm -hmm. It's not a requirement for you to adopt that person into your family in order for them to receive help. So as I was thinking about what it really meant to be a child of God, I thought about what a huge privilege it is and blessing it is because he still could have chosen to save us. He still could have chosen to help us without making us mm -hmm. part of his family. Yeah, but he did that out of his love. He did that because he wanted to, not because it was required, yeah. not because that was the only way he could. He, he, he went that way because that was his desire. Mm -hmm. And thinking about that of, of just how special that is, that's what I reflect on, reflected on as we were preparing for this because it's like, you know, man, it, what a privilege and what a blessing it is to be a, a child of God. Amen. Well, then let's go on to verse 2. He says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. Now, when, according to Scripture here, when, when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. Again, if you go back to the Garden of Eden, you go back to Adam and Eve, we know that we were made in the image of God according to Genesis 1 and verse 26. That was God's original design, but boy, mankind has fallen a long way from that original design. Um, however, in Christ, we can still share in that likeness. Uh, so guys, what, what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> but we know when he appears, we shall, we shall be like him. Um, and I th what's the biggest difference between me and Jesus right now? Well, there's a lot, you know, obviously. Um, the, the, the biggest difference between me and Jesus right now is Jesus right now is, is spirit. Right. And he's, he's in heaven. Um, and, and being a spirit in heaven uh, comes with the benefit of no sin. Mm -hmm. um, it comes with the benefit of, uh, of God really views his citizens of heaven differently than how he views his citizens that are that are on earth right now. Um, so in the future, when Jesus comes and we're going to be like him, we're going to take on that that spirit. We don't know what form that is exactly. There's lots of people who debate over, well, what's it going to be like when we go to heaven? Are we uh, going to be just spirit? Are we going to have some physicalness? Are we going to be look like him? What? And, and I don't know about all that, but I know uh, that we will be different yeah. and that we will be more like Jesus. But I think the biggest difference is, is that we will be a more spiritual mm -hmm. being. Yeah. So when he returns, we will be more spiritual in a sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I, I agree. Um, I, I think when I first was looking at kind of the notes of, of what we wanted to talk about, my first answer was, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what John means here about how we're going to be like him. Um, I talked with my. I shared with you guys earlier. I talked with my wife about this, and she had a, a much more uh, thought-out answer. Um, she's very wise, um, but I, I, you know, and I was listening, and I, and she's probably right. But where my mind initially went was um, a little bit of kind of what you were saying too, uh, the, about thinking about what's the, what's different. How am I different from Jesus? And the biggest difference I see, too, is along with uh, the physical, spiritual kind of balance, there is my sinful nature. 
And so thinking about what, what is going to be like for, to get from where I am now to where I will be, because that's what John is saying here. He says, we are children. We are God's children now, but there's still, there's still something yet to come. There's still something that's going to be different, where we can become something different. And I thought, well, I'll be complete. Mm-hmm. I'll shed away that sinful nature. And so I kind of think maybe that's what he's saying there, that being a child of God is a right now thing, but there's a future thing, and that future thing will be being more, not being more like Christ in the sense of my sinful nature will be gone. All right. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I saw it. Uh, could be very wrong, but that's yeah. where my mind was at. <laughs> well, Dave, while you're in the passage there, would you read my, uh, verses 3 through 8 for us, First sure. John 3? Uh, 3 through 8. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. All right, now, um, I can't help but believe that here, once again, John probably has some of those Gnostic false teachers in mind Mm -hmm. as he's writing this, Um, primarily because the the Gnostics had plenty of ways to justify their own sinful actions. Um, just a couple of things I, I want to mention here. They, they said that the body was evil, so that there was absolutely nothing wrong with completely satisfying whatever your sinful lust may be, because it really doesn't matter what happens to the body. Uh, they also believed that spiritual people would be so protected by the Spirit that they could sin to their heart's delight and no consequences would come as a result of that. So in this passage, uh, verses 3 through 8 that Dave just read for us, man, we really see an analysis of what sin is. Uh, A few weeks back, I know we talked about what sin was, and, and I believe that you guys rightly defined it, you know, when you said that it was missing the mark. And here John kind of adds to that, right? And he gives us this definition of sin being lawlessness, that it's it's not keeping the law, and that sin comes as a result of one not abiding in Christ, and that sin comes from the devil himself. Uh, But as negative as all that is, uh, what a wonderful thing it is to know, as he kind of ties all that up, that Christ conquered the works of the devil. Uh, now let's go on from there to verse 9, and it says, no one, is, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Okay, let's look at the first part of that verse first. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. All right, gentlemen, what, what is God's seed? I tend to think that John is referring to being born again. Um, Talking about children of God here. And so, you know, as you kind of referred to earlier in the sense that all of humanity is children of God, right? But John's talking about something a little more specific here about being adopted as children of God. 
And so the difference there to me would be have becoming a Christian, being a follower of God. And so I don't know for sure, uh, but when I read it, I kind of I that's kind of where my mind goes of of God see being in us, being that there's a difference between me and the other guy mm -hmm. because I have chosen to follow God. Yeah, to me it's kind of uh we as Christians possess the nature of God, not mm -hmm. that we are God, but we, we possess certain characteristics of Jesus and of God, and we try to embody those, and we try to, um, to practice those as much as possible. Earlier we talked about, uh, we looked at how we will become like Jesus once he returns, and to me this is talking about, well, how are we like Jesus now? Mm -hmm. So the other passage was about how are we going to be Jesus in the future, how are we going to be like Jesus in the future? And then this passage where it says, for God's seed abides in uh in us, um, that's talking about, well, how do we possess, how, how are we like Jesus and like God now? What are the, what are the qualities that we possess? Um, so to me, it's about our nature, and, and do we possess that nature of God? Are we, are we loving? Are we forgiving? Do we show compassion? Do we have mercy on people? Um, do we have a, uh, a hatred for sin? You know, all, all these things are, are things that God has. And, and these are, are the kinds of things that we should have to. Again, not, not equating ourselves with God, right. but acknowledging that, that there are characteristics that God has that I want to have, mm -hmm. and that just by, being, just by me being a Christian means, if I truly am a Christian, that I am going to have sure. these qualities. Mm -hmm. Strive to have those things in my life. Uh, a passage that comes to my mind uh, is 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 23. He says, Since you have been born again, uh, which that's what Dave was talking about a moment ago, you know, being that seed of God's. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Um, so Dave talked about, you know, how we are born again. That's that seed of, of Christ. And, and Justin, of course, just sharing with us that those qualities that we have that's like the nature of God. And so here we see that this living, abiding Word of God uh, is this seed. Those who have been born of God cannot sin uh, or we strive not to sin because we should have strength and guidance within us that comes from the Word of God, you know, and to, to want to live how God would have us to live and, and to know what that looks like based on His Word. Um, the latter part of verse 9 then says, he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, kind of, um, I don't know, put a, put a marker there for a second and go back to what John has already written in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. He said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, it might be easy to read those two passages and say, well, wait a minute. Now, is, is this a contradiction in Scripture? Uh, these two thoughts don't seem to mesh. And, and real quickly, the answer is no. Uh, this is not a, a contradiction in Scripture at all. Uh, in the Greek, there's a very subtle difference here. 
uh, between the two words of sin that provide a, a pretty major difference in their meanings. Uh, in 1 John 2, 1, sin is in the aorist tense, and it by being in the aorist tense means that it's a, a definite act. And so what John is writing there by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that we as Christians, uh, we should not be committing acts of sin, but when we do, we have an advocate who is Christ, and he's that go-between between us and God to plead our case, and for that, of course, we should be very thankful. Uh, now you go from there to 1 John 1, 3, 9. Their sin is in the present tense, so it's, it's indicating like a, a habitual action. All right, so while in the ideal world, we shouldn't sin. But as Christians, we're, we're going to strive with Christ's help to avoid sin, but we know that we all mess up from, from time to time, and when we do, we should be willing to humbly confess our sins to God and have assurance, and what a wonderful assurance it is, knowing that He will forgive those who truly repent. So I think as Christians, we, we cannot be deliberate or consistent sinners. You know, we, we can't live life in such a way that sin dominates our actions. Um, I think we need to live our life in such a way that we're on guard against sin, uh, a life where sin is not a part of our normal daily routine, but rather a, an abnormal moment of defeat. And we all experience those from time to time. So I think John is not saying here that those who abide in God cannot sin, but what he is saying is that those who abide in God cannot continue to deliberately sin. I like uh, I like how the ESV, and I know we have different translations, and people that are that are tuning in have different translations. Um, the ESV, uh, which I think is what we've all read this this afternoon. Um, in verse 4 and in, in the other verse that they're talking about sin, it talks about making a practice mm -hmm. of sinning. Um, and I know in the King James Version and in the New King James Version, it just says commits a sin. Um, so there is a difference in translation there. Mm -hmm. But it's the same word in the, in the New King James and the King James Version. Also in verse 7, it says whoever practices righteousness. That word for practice in verse 7 and the word for commits in verse 4 in the King James Version is the same Greek word, so it could be translated either way. Um, but I like that ESV makes that makes the choice to translate it as everyone who makes a practice of sinning, because that's what you're talking mm -hmm. about, right? Yeah. It's it's not just oh I sinned, uh, it was a slip up, it's right. a, it's an occurrence. Right. But if I'm making a practice of something, that's something that's more than just a, a random or uh, not to say random, but a, a sparse occurrence. Right. Um, making a practice of something is something that I'm comfortable. With doing, mm -hmm. but I also like that it that it contrasted in verse seven with, uh, in verse four it's making a practice of sin, and in verse seven it's making a practice of righteousness. Right. So it's um, both things are active, and if I'm making a practice of sinning, I'm actively involved in sin, right. and I'm comfortable with it. Uh, if I'm making a practice of righteousness, I'm actively involved in in righteousness mm -hmm. and in pursuing righteousness, and I'm involved in it. So. Uh, I think that I think that's a cool little um, comparison that's that's done Absolutely. in this verse about about sin. Yeah, you you took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna kind of make the comparison between the translations because I think a lot of the confusion with this passage comes from translation. Mm -hmm. um, so everything you said, you and Justin, you said is absolutely right. 
Um, and it's not contradictory. You know, I mean, you look at, John is far from the only person who speaks on this subject in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could go to Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6, and we're going to see Paul talking about the, the need for grace and then abusing that grace. Mm-hmm. And um, as sinners, we, 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 we will always be sinners. But there's a difference between being uh, lost and being saved, obviously. Right. And we look at this this habitual practice of sin and this uh, or practice of sinning, and what it means to be as a follower. And so, like I, I always go back to First John chapter one, where it starts talking about walking in the light. Uh, if we mm-hmm. say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Uh, I think you referenced that a while ago, but if you go to chapter verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. Uh, that's my go-to when I think about this topic is we have sin, we continue to sin. I think about Paul who says we can't abuse the grace that we get from Christ, but if we, and I think about John, if we say we have no sin, we are liars. And I think about what does that mean to be a follower of Christ? Well, I know that if I'm walking in the light, which means that I'm giving it all I have, my heart's where it needs to be, and my actions are following. And even though I mess up from time to time, by walking in the light, Jesus' blood covers it. Yeah. And that makes me sinless, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Even though I have sin, it's forgiven. Right, yeah. Right. Just another benefit of being a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being an, being an heir is what we talked about in Romans. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, what an awesome privilege that that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think our time is about to expire, but I want to encourage you, uh, especially if you are a child of God's, to really be considerate of what a privilege and what a blessing that that is. You know, maybe spend a little bit of time just kind of meditating on how awesome that is to to be a child of God, to be an heir with Jesus and what that then should look like in your life or in mine and how we live our life from day to day and how it should motivate us to to want to be more like Him as much as we can in this life, to strive to live a life of righteousness and to strive to leave leave the, the life of sinfulness behind us and not for it to be who we are. It may be who we once were, but it's not who we are because now we're striving to be like Christ. Uh, So as we prepare to close, I'm going to ask Justin if he would to lead us in a word of prayer. And again, we hope to see you at 1030 on Sunday morning, whether it be online in the parking lot or in person. Justin, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we're thankful for another day that you've blessed us with, Father. Um, God, we're thankful that we are called your children and that we enjoy all the blessings that come with that. Uh, Father, of, of being called your children, and I pray that uh, that each one of us have, as Christians uh, pursue um, the nature that you have blessed us with, and that the nature of forgiveness, the nature of righteousness, and that we all can uh, can seek every day to strive to do what is right in your eyes, that we all can seek to uh, bring glory uh, and honor to your kingdom in every decision and every uh, thing that we do, Father. Uh, we're thankful for your word, for the truth that it presents to us, Father, and I pray that as we study tonight that its truth might uh, penetrate our hearts and that uh, that we might see um, how we can uh, be better in everything that we do, Father. Uh, we're thankful for our church here at Rainbow, for our brothers and sisters and who we get to celebrate your love with. Um, Father, most of all, we're thankful for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.